Hey, what's good, people? This is Sports Debate Tuesday. We're back on... I'll tell you all about it later. That man right there, that's Rob McLean. Look at that. Oh, look at that her. <laughs> look at that her. The episode starts right now. Hated, I love it, the underdog's on top. And I'm going to shine, homie, until my heart stops. Envy me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so y'all should get to know me. That, my, my man Rob, keep it McLean McLean. What's up? How you doing? How you doing? That is what Joe Burrow is saying right now. Hated, I love it, the underdog's on top. How, what an appropriate song. For everybody else... Oh, what the hell, man? This is Sports Debate Tuesday. I'm Jason DeBias. Once again, that is Rob. Y'all know how it goes. Keep it. McLean. McLean. That's isn't that, that's almost like Gaius, Julius, Caesar. <laughs> I'll hey. I'll take it. So thanks for joining us on this special edition of Friday of Sports Debate Tuesday. Don't even ask why, but we, we made a decision to push it back because the draft, uh, the trade deadline was happening. The closer to the Super Bowl, the more fresh it is. So we're gonna get we're gonna pick some winners. Right now we're tied at six and six. So very interested in your pick. Um UFC two seventy one, Derek Brunson. We thought he was retiring, but it turns out he's fighting Cannoneer and probably Whoever wins that in spectacular fashion is probably going to get a shot at whoever wins between the main eventers, Israel Adesanya and um, Rob Whitaker, right? Let's mm-hmm. not forget about the bangers. Let's not forget about Tuivasa. Let's not forget about um, Derek Lewis. I mean, if that does, if that gets past the first round, this, this, that'll be a disappointment for both of them. So we got UFC 271. We got uh, NFL coming up, and we've been following the NFL religiously. But first things first. Rob, for the first time this year, actually probably the first for the first time since football started, we're leading with the NBA. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl's around the corner. Flores controversy heating up with one of the most anticipated. And the UFC, one of the most anticipated rematches in middleweight history. And here we are leading with the NBA. With the trade deadline ending, there were a lot of teams who sat still. Some really smart teams, and we could talk about that at the tail end. Um, and there were some teams who might regret it sitting still. And there's some teams I don't think they would have benefited them or not because they're, they might be a hot mess. Where is it? The Knicks. Uh, um, I was going to say, yeah, spoiler, Knicks, Lakers, maybe. Uh, but highlighting what really does matter and what needs to be highlighted, um, Maury, the 76ers president of the basketball operations, has acquired NBA MVP. Uh, James Harden, former MVP James Harden, along with the veteran power forward Millsap from the Nets. You're going to talk about more of the trades into us as I give you the floor in a minute. Um, And they traded them for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. And two first-round picks. Thursday's afternoon trade deadline. Whoosh. Just like that. So, Rob, let's have a little fun, man. Let's start with the obvious question, all right? Who benefits the most from this trade? Is it the 76ers? 76ers. Is it the Sixers? Or is it the Brooklyn Nets? So, yeah, um, how I'd see it is uh, I think that the Nets won this trade, uh, partially because Harden was becoming very uh, embattled in his position. And if you've watched what happened with Houston – 
it could only get worse. Um, and it only started to get worse where he started taking games off that he may not have needed to take off and almost protesting and, and not playing the game. Um, I think he's not really happy with the whole Kyrie situation because they should be the best team in the East, winning a tor- winning, winning the championship. And, you know, he's worked very hard to get from the beginning of the season when he was not um, in condition, he wasn't playing well. Even last last season in the playoffs – when you know he had to fight through a hamstring, almost a torn hamstring, to play in those games just to give them a chance, and yet, you know, there's not even a discussion at the table of whether or not Kyrie's going to be able to play for any home games the entire season. I mean, that's just outrageous. So, um, I think he's totally within his reasons to to say this is not what I signed up for, and I only have a certain amount of years left in the league. I want to. I want to play on a team that's ready for a championship, you know, not one that's hoping for another player to step on the court so we can play our best. Like, that's just a ridiculous thing to, to ask a professional player at this point. You pay me all this money, let me play. You know, we should be playing. The other thing is, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, we don't know what we're going to get out of him, but I think that he matches up better with the team, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, than I think James Harden did. Not offensively, honestly, uh, obviously, but with the rebounding, they needed a ton of help outside of Kevin Durant in rebounding. Uh, they got one in Ben Simmons. They got one in Andre Drummond. Um, you got a big man, you know, to stick down there instead of Lamar, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin. You know, that's going to be huge, allowing those guys to play the four instead of the five. Uh, and then you have, um, I was going to say, you're going to actually allow that unit that was there before Kyrie and all them to do work which is what they had done a long time ago. They put in a lot of players. They, they, they mixed up rotations, but they had fantastic energy. You know, we also, we also don't, like, uh, they don't have Joe Harris this year. You know, that's going to come back next year. So you're kind of building your team not only for the future, but for the right now. Um, although you don't really know what you're going to get from Ben Simmons, you know you're going to get a 6'8", lanky, long, athletic defender who's always going to be able to put his body in front of somebody as long as he gets coached correctly which I think Steve Nash is definitely that coach if he gets uh, if he gets taught correctly and maybe Steve Nash can teach him how to shoot free throws hey we're in business here you know all we need is I mean Ben Simmons could have been MVP candidate uh, a level talent last year because of his defense had nothing to do with his offense and then you're saying he's one of the best transition players in the league like, we, we, we talk about all the bad things about Ben, but he actually has some amazing attributes. So who won this trade? I really do believe it's the Nets because you really don't know what you're going to get out of Harden. And you need every ounce of Harden to come to the 76ers to make that trade to lean in the side of the 76ers. Now, the 76ers are getting players back. They're getting players that are actually going to play in the game. But at the end of the day, they're still going to be with James Harden. James Harden's what? He could be a great part of their system, but they have to implement that. He needs the ball in his hand. So you're going to change up your entire system right now, or you're going to keep feeding Embiid, who's having an MVP season. It's just a lot of pieces to go around. So I wish him the best. He's not a defender. Uh, That's the first thing that can translate to another team. There's just a lot of things that tell me that James Harden's going to be mediocre, you know, which does not... I mean, if Andre Drummond plays... Doesn't do shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, if Andre Drummond plays major minutes and Ben Simmons never played another minute for this in this season for the Nets, 
I still think that this trade would be better for the Nets just because they got bodies where they needed it. Yeah. That's it. Rob, keep it McLean McLean. The reason why this is such a good debate and discussion is because we're only discussing to what level did both teams benefit. We both agree both teams benefited from this. Like, the Nets needed someone to complement two five-star players, all right? Ben Simmons ain't trying to outshine them, right? Um, and the Sixers really needed some people that can hit some consistent jumpers when they're double-teaming and triple-teaming uh, Embiid, almost Olympic-style, right? If you remember the Olympics, there's no three-second no three defense. Three second defensive violation. They just basically when when the USA won the bronze, they just crowded Tim Tim Duncan and, and gambled on Iverson and Marbury beating them on the outside. And and when they did, they won. And when they didn't, they lost. But that's not that's not gonna win you a gold medal, right? So uh, so I just wanted to convey the appreciation of this debate before I strenuously disagree with you, <laughs> disagree with your argument. I gotta go 76ers for all all of the reasons that I think the, the rationale and how they benefit it would, seems to be one whole level higher than how the Brooklyn Nets would benefit. You got Embiid right now leading the league, twenty nine. I think it's 29.4 points per game, right? And defense, Doc Rivers, they're always going to, no matter, even with James Harden, they're, they're going to play defense. Do you know what I mean? There's, that, that's going to take some doing because Harden sometimes, you know, takes some plays off because he's not, he doesn't, I don't want to criticize him personally, but it doesn't seem like the best conditioned cat in the world, right? So, yeah. but you got someone who's putting up 29 points a game and you have James Harden right now, who's the only player in the league that has um, 20, more than 20 points a game and more than 10 assists a game. So, so, Unless all those assists he's been averaging has been happening during garbage time or like empty calorie things, because the Nets are were losers of, of nine straight. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that he he will find a way to create shots, and at the same time, that's a hell of a him and Embiid. That's a hell of a, a better two man game than Simmons and Embiid could have ever been. Because when Embiid pushes out, Simmons had to hit that shot. He wasn't gonna hit that shot, and that's the, that's my rationale behind it. I'm gonna give you the floor back, but I, um. See if you can remember what you're going to say, because I want to ask you a question that's not going to make you forget what you have to say. Mm. How much does Ben Simmons not playing this season benefit the Nets as far as the wear and tear of a season and some and all that nagging in all those nagging injuries that come with playing an 82 uh, games game season? Right, you're, you're an elite athlete. You never you've never went into a, an AVP season 100. percent we just don't, right? I mean, we look like it. I mean, I'm we. What the fuck am I saying? I don't play no beach. But but you look like you're 100%, but you're not. So please don't forget what you're going to say, because I know you had an answer what I was going to say, mm -hmm. but I want the for the audience listening, how much does, did the inactivity benefit him? Or did or does it benefit, did it benefit the Nets? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the inactivity will never benefit the player. Right. right. But, um. I, I do think that Ben needed time to to get his mind right, you know, because we yeah. got to talk about where software, he was right? Eventually, yeah, he, he, where he was originally, mm -hmm. he missed, you know, he, he wouldn't take a shot, he wouldn't take a three, he wouldn't even take a jump shot, he wouldn't even take a layup, you know, and in the fact that he didn't want to miss or be fouled and had to shoot the ball. So there's clearly some sports psych that needs to be done with him. Um, so I think that time is okay for him, but. It's more of the aspect of does he want to come back and at what level is he going to try to play at? Does he see himself as a top five player or does he see himself 
does he cap himself at a certain amount now you know right um yeah but past that i i really do believe um that like let me just ask this um and i'll try to answer with a with a question last year you know before they went to the finals or the this the the western conference or eastern conference finals would you have traded james harden for ben simmons at that point it's a good question um and if i can turn back time and be self-honest about that answer i'd probably say no and i think that's where you're getting at i would say no i mean but but no for both guys right harden was like a wow he could probably score 30 we're not going to give that up and then Ben yeah. Simmons is a, a, a literally weren't they the one in the two machine and in, in, in the East they were the one in the two right right damn near close right Greek Freak I think that team they were the three yeah I, as far I as like the top eight year. you know playoffs or whatever mm-hmm. um sorry whatever playing what I guess it's hard for me to even say that but but you ahead. know before they like you know all the top teams played each other and beat each other to crap you know they I still think that both players are at a certain level but when I think about who's got the age. Mm-hmm. You know, who's got the time to be able to get back up to that position or to eclipse that and go further on? I mean, you win 10 times out of 10 with Ben. Yeah. You just have to know that you have to have some sort of sports psych doctor on, yeah. on tap. That's it. It's not that big deal. Like, now, just, from the physical part, do you think there is enough time? Because you're basically you're saying, and, and, I'm, and I'm forced to agree in so many ways, you're saying that court rust is a real thing. Sure. Absolutely. But like... Is there enough time between now and the playoffs? Absolutely. Because okay. court rust for what? You know, like he doesn't have to, you know, throw a high kick, throw a low kick, you know, punch. Yeah, we ain't talking that. about UFC. <laughs> he doesn't have to do every single skill that he needs to do to right. be successful. He's a big body, right? It was the first thing you said is going to translate because it's about the person being on the court in front of another person. Defense. That defense ain't never going to court rust. No. If you know how to stay in front of somebody and move your feet, you can be a good defender. If you're that big and you can stay in front of somebody, you can be a great defender. And the only reason that changed last year that made him an all-world defender was he put his mind to it. So he could be a great defender without even trying. He could be a great defender that takes no skill without even trying, just effort, right? And then we can start talking about uh, the rust on the on the what on the wheels. Okay, cool. He's got okay. a condition for two weeks. You know, yeah. the 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 game rust on the shot. He couldn't shoot anyway. So what are we talking about? You know, at the end of the Agreed. day, the skills that translate for him have nothing to do about game rust or how much time you have on the court. Yeah, and I, I as we move as we move on. I, I don't think there's a better person to um, answer the question about Simmons than you. Like, um, without airing your laundry too much to our viewers, you you um, had something we called software issues. Not something that happened to you. Not not that you happened. That you may be looking back retrospectively. You're like, shit, that was in my way. That was in my way from from doing some of the things that I'm good at. You know, um, and you know, again, I'm. I'm we got an audience, and uh, and you're known. Um, the people that don't play the sport that are watching, you're known and appreciated. You're Rob Keeper McLean McLean, but I really appreciate that you opined on that because there are certain people that are like, if you've never been there and you don't understand that high-pressure situation, you really shouldn't talk about it. So um, I don't know. I'm kissing your ass a little bit. I'm honored. I'm honored and humbled that we have someone actually on the podcast that can opine through that through experience that has played 
is not not as play is playing the sport at this ridiculously uh, high high elite level, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wish you the best of luck in this this coming season. I know you're playing around with different partners and this and that, and but even to me, even like your failings, like on the scene. If you're in the semis and the finals and or, or whatever in, in all these tournaments, that's still better than like <laughs> it's laughable, right? It's better than like 80-90% of the Americans playing the sport. So yeah. so yeah, I, that was a so the issue of software is going to be the challenge more than the hardware because the hardware is going to the the court time is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So j- ladies and gents, Rob's thinks the um the Nets benefited from this. Me, I think the Sixers benefited from this, and it's just going to be interesting to see who's right I at mean, the end. Let's just mm-hmm. look. At, let's say the the max mandate goes down in a couple months, right? Like they like Kevin Durant saying, "Yeah." Let's think of this lineup. <laughs> you got Kyrie at the one, mm-hmm. KD at the two, yep. Ben Simmons at the three, Drake, Blake Griffin at the four, and Lamarcus or German at the five. I mean. That's like a, a, a six-guy yeah. rotation. Not to mention you got, like, Malcolm Brown. You got Joe Harris. I love Malcolm Brown, dude. Dude, you got ballers on that team. I mean, that's a eight-man strong rotation that yeah. could all be at least all NBA. You know, whether it's all defensive NBA for for, for Brown. I mean, that's that's a impressive team that, that you got there, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, honestly. both peop- both teams win, man. Both teams win, and the, the question was, God, it was fun. Who wins more? It's a stupid question, but it's that stupid is fun, people. Stupid is fun. You know, and Rob <laughs> indulged in this this debate, which he I doesn't like even it. think like is it. a debate, right? They're like, come on, Jay. This one, this question ain't even close. I well, here's how we finish the argument. My argument is because I saw the devil I knew. As opposed to the devil, I don't. I don't have a bigger sample size of, of Simmons because he's he's done all these great things flying under the radar of Embiid and the Sixers and that. And he and he only got highlighted because there was that series where he was just he couldn't he couldn't buy a shot and mm-hmm. and you thought a lot of it was unfair and I thought it was fair until you pointed out why it wasn't fair. So you you'd already won that argument coming in in some ways, but well, I mean, mm-hmm. let's even look at the, the the devil we do know and James Harden. That's what I'm saying. Right? I mean, look at what he did. Look like, at that pattern. Well, because he came out of uh, the draft on the OKC, he was a certain type of a player. He yep. came into to Houston. Houston. Nobody expected that, but he became a certain type of player, and you know now he's in in Brooklyn. Right. He became a certain type of player. Like if he brings in the player that he was in, like they need Houston. Yeah. They need Houston James. They don't need Brooklyn James. They don't need, you know, maybe ten assists, twenty points. They don't need that. No, they, that's not gonna happen. In no, the, what I'm Rob? Tell you. What? Go ahead. And, well, that's gonna answer your question before. Where did these ten assists came from? They came from players of the name of Blake Griffin and KD and Kyrie. And yeah, people Marcus, who can finish the shot, people who can put a damn ball in the thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now you're handing it off to Matthias Thabel mm-hmm. or uh, you know Seth Green, or he he went over in the trade, mm-hmm. or you got um, like literally, you can't even name the guys who are going to shoot the ball in. But here's here's my argument: they're not getting Houston Harden, they're not getting Brooklyn Harden, they're getting listen to this mm. first year traded Mm-mm. Harden. Mm-mm. He won MVP. The first year he was traded to Houston, he was seven he was a ago. savage. Seven years ago, that was 2018. It's not that not that long ago. 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he was a three-time scoring leader, too. So, yeah. a Brooklyn, that first year, he was doing we'll work. See. So, we'll maybe see. I'm thinking, like, pattern-wise, look, chance. look, next year, they're going to be like, damn, this guy took a, you know, we gave him all that money. Not but I think this year, that's very, very interesting. I, so, I, one I to Brooklyn, one, but we'll see. one to Brooklyn and, and different conferences, too. So, mm-hmm. yep. All right. Well, shoot, man. We could we can go all day, but damn, we trying to keep. We promise to keep these shows under an hour. <laughs> I mean, right? Bad enough the option podcast. You know, people are like, I can't believe I drove five times and it's still not done. I had Savvy Simo. We did two hours and fifteen minutes oh. on Tuesday, and then Kristen Nuss and Cloth. Uh, mm-hmm. They were at the house yesterday. Um, with Wendy Jones, Wendy, nice. Wendy Bard Studio. Because oh, yeah. this studio is nice. This hold up, I'm gonna do a shot. Where is this shot behind Rob? That's nice. This studio's nice. This studio is nice. For the for the people on the audio, sorry. Uh, but the video, the benefit. All right, topic two, man. Whew. Super Bowl Sunday. Rob, it's Friday. It's not Sports Debate Tuesday this week. It's Friday. It's here, dude. Yes. And anyone who said they saw this coming is lying their devil asses off. The Rams against the Bengals, anyone that said, I knew it the whole time, is going to get smacked like the Three Stooges because the person to the left and the right going to get smacked with them because I'm, I'm going to do one of them wide slaps. Pow, 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 like the, like the Three fucking Stooges, all right? Now, look. Nah, nah, nah. I'll, I'll save that for my diatribe, but so I'll just skip to the question. Who's going to win? Who's going to win a Super Bowl? Rob, we are six and six right now. Mm-hmm. Playoffs. I am six wins, six losses, and the host versus host. You versus me. Mono a uh, mono. Six and six, six and six. Who's going to win this Super Bowl? I mean, I'm going to pick the Rams because, you know, it's an easy pick. Uh, but I, I really do want the Bengals to win. I, I would love to be wrong. Um, I think they have a wonderful team. I, I think that they're great in every position. Uh, they're good in every position, and that's all you need to do is play as a team and be good. Um, they got probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, they have a terrible offensive line, and I think that's just going to be the end of them. Uh, you know, when they were playing last week, Joe Burrow, I mean, barely got taken down. Like He almost got taken down about six different times. He was pressured all over the place. And just because, just like we were talking about in the NBA, those certain players is a reason why they're named players because they can finish plays. Yep. Now, the Bengals playing against still a great team, a great playoff team, but there's a difference between uh, a great defense and a Von Miller defense or an Aaron Donald defense or a even Jane without Vaughn, right? Even without it's just, Vaughn, it's just and Vaughn and Ramsey. How many how many sacks did Vaughn have? Because that's a sack leader. That's one of the best sacks of sack leaders of all time. He didn't have none. Or he had one, one sack right. uh, the other day or the other game. His thing was he played the entire game the entire way a complete fashion. He shut down one whole side of the line with run defense because yeah. he understands that he's capable of more than just sacking the quarterback. No, and he, that, he can plug, he can he can crash the slant, the sluggo, mm-hmm. right? Yep. He can shut down the uh, the, the the flat, you know. I you mean, know Fonakar is listening to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Remember our guest host? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right here, yep. Yeah, he said Chase going to go off. Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey going to cover Higgins. Hmm. 
<laughs> uh, most up and down teams this year for the Bengals. Burrow for president. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, Bengals could be a fantastic team, but that pass rush will get to them. And, and what that, what teams really have to do is cover, uh, chase down the field, mm-hmm. and run some tight defense uh, defensive backs on on the uh, on the line. If you give them space to to move, those receivers are going to have area and room once Joe Burrow ducks the first of the, the the first defender if he can get past that guy he you know the, the routes halfway through the routes almost done he's able to get rid of the ball so the issue is not just getting because Chris Jones is getting through that pocket all the entire time but flushing a quarterback like Joe Burrow out actually creates more problems because there's different angles you know you got a defensive back trying to stay on a a wide receiver who is creating their own route and as soon as they get separation quarterback lets it go so it's just a different type of a game it's like you're playing against an Aaron Rodgers type of quarterback you know where he extends plays and he wants to get the ball to his receivers not necessarily the fastest he wants to evade let his receivers get downfield or get through their routes and then be able to hit their guy so <clears throat> defensive backs have got to stay on the wide receivers the entire route until the whistle. That's just how it has to happen. And those, uh, um, what's it called, the defensive line and those who are blitzing, they need to get home to their man. And not flybys, but get through to their man to flush him to a certain way other defenders that are coming. Like it can't just be a one-man rush. It has to be a team coming and closing the pocket. So that's that's... It, that's the issue, but when you have such a good defensive line, like an Aaron Donald pushing the pocket and a and a and a Ramsey coming on one side, and you got a Leonard Floyd coming on the other side, I mean, it's just eventually that 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 pass rush is going to get there. But I'd have to say, last game it didn't really happen that much until third fourth quarter. Yeah. So if Bengals can open this game up early, put some points on the board, get some separation. I mean, it's their game to lose. So I, 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 I really would love to see how this game starts off. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game because this is one of the true Super Bowls. I feel like two of the best team, the better teams, not yep. the, the the most star-studded teams, but two of the best teams are playing against each other. Bengals, underdogs. A sure. win, a win for the fans, right? Absolutely. Yeah. A win for the NFL finally after all the crap they've been through. Yeah. Well. Um, and I, I, put I, themselves through, but yeah, man, and I really oh, we definitely gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. That dude, that's like a to shame or not to shame, and a whole topic by ourselves. Mm-hmm. I was gonna put that in the shame or not to shame, but but we, how the hell are we gonna say what we gotta say in sixty seconds each? Well, no it could fucking be shame way. Not to yeah. Shame, but we don't gotta put time on it. You know, we can yeah. just hit the hit the topics. I like that. But um, all right. So you picking the Rams. Mm-hmm. For all the right reasons everybody else did. When the Rams put together a team a couple of years ago that made the Super Bowl, they made investments in certain players because they're like, all right, we're going to worry about cap space and all that stuff later, but we have a team that we believe that can go to the Super Bowl and win. They got to the Super Bowl. I think they lost 10-7 or some crazy low score. Just a great coaching game between Sean McVay and um, and Bill Belichick. And at the end of the day, the quarterback that didn't make all the mistakes, which was Brady, Right and not Goff uh, was the one that won. Brady realized the the um, gravity of the situation. This isn't a shootout. I ain't trying to do nothing stupid. We're gonna and if we win ten seven, um, and everybody's gonna talk about how lucky I am or this or that, I'm just, I'm just gonna do one of these, right? 
You know, in fact, I actually do one of these. <laughs> Is it eight? He's got eight now. Um, eight or seven. I thought it was seven. I mean, he's winning so so damn many. He we lost count. You know, <laughs> so you have every single reason to pick the Rams right now. It's Aaron Donald. It's Matthew Stafford. You get OBJ who resuscitated his career as a W uh, and humbles himself as a, as a wideout too, um, because you have to Cooper Cup. I mean, that's, uh, you don't say white power. That's white boy power right there. Because um, you have to say something like that because he's a wide receiver and you know it's a heavily heavily um, African-American dominated thing. You, you, but you, have, you do have your outliers. You got your Welkers, right? You had your, um, I mean, I, I grew up supporting the Jets. and We remember Wayne Corbett, mm-hmm. Hostra. So. Mm-hmm. so you always cheer for the little white guy. But the little white guy ain't no joint, ain't no joke when he's putting up nineteen hundred yards or close to two thousand yards, right? Mm-hmm. So, OBJ get Von Miller. Oh my God, that and Donald got Ramsey resuscitated his career, and all of these people uh, get together uh, with a coach that they respect. Every reason in the world to win, and somehow, some way, I take all these stats I have in my hand that support your argument, and I throw them out like confetti because of one person, and that one person is Joe Burrow. Two weeks before the end of the season, when they won the conf- their conference, uh, they won a playoff spot. The same night, won the conference. I'm like, all right, they're probably going to play the Raiders, and they're probably going to um, play um, whomever, Sandia, uh, the Chargers, right? Remember that Sunday night game mm-hmm. that just finished, ended the NFL season in classic fashion? Uh, Pittsburgh, whoever they want to, uh, they play against those teams. If they win, hey, the kid showed me something, and at the end of the day, the next round, he's just fucking going home. And that's what happened. He beat the Raiders. And I'm like, that's a game he could lose. And that's a game he could win. Um, but now, it's he's a boy, right? That's what everyone's saying. This is a boy. And, this, and, and the next round's men's game, right? Yeah. You, on one side, you got the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs beating the shit out of each other. At such a heightened level that the way it ended, you were sure whoever won that game was going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Quietly on the other end. Beating the number one seed in the NFL is this kid, Joe Burrow, who, by the way, that game got sacked nine times. You get sacked nine times. You're supposed to lose that game Mm -hmm. by a significant score, Rob. He finds a way to win that field goal at the end. Goes against the Kansas City Chiefs, which was the greatest shootout probably in the history of the NFL, but probably not. I'm a prisoner of the moment, and maybe so are you, right? Somehow, some way, finds a way to win. Field goal, in. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen Super Bowl Sunday. He is going to get sacked. He's going to get his bell rung. And the referee is going to have to have a decision to make about how much punishment, or the level of punishment that, that Vaughn Miller and those guys are allowed to, to punish him. And he will get hit and he will get dropped. And Mixon will get stopped. And Chase will get double team and triple team. Catch some, miss some. And Stafford's gonna do his thing. I'm so happy he's in the Super Bowl, right? You, 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 you. Even if you're anti Lions fan, you cheer for that guy because he he played hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and still played. So, and still somehow at the end of the day, this kid's gonna come out and win this game for the Cincinnati Bengals, for a team who hasn't been in the playoffs since 1990, for a team that hasn't been in the Super Bowl since 1988, losing to Joe Montana, and before that, I think eight years before that, lost to Joe Montana. And I feel more, I didn't feel comfortable picking against you. I don't want to finish tied with you, Rob. 
Uh, that would have been the wimp's way out. You pick the Rams. I'm like, oh man, I wanted to pick the Rams. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable I was, than I was on Tuesday, which is when this show was supposed to take place. True. I got, I got the, the the Bengals. Good, good for you. Yeah, I'll see what happens. What I else? Hope I'm wrong. What do you want? What do you think? Cup is the new age Jordy Nelson. <laughs> I like that. Sure, you know. <laughs> hey, well, it's a compliment to Burrow, right? And as a joke, before we move on to the next topic, this kid's in the Super Bowl, the Bengals, and the Titans were in the playoffs, which raises the question, how good were the Jets? <laughs> the Jets in the regular season had beaten both these teams. <laughs> uh, they're about as good as the 2-11 team they are. Two <laughs> Rob's like, all right, I got to clean up. Let's move on, Jason. (laughs) All right, topic number three. Actually, Mm. we're going to do both. We're going to put this in to shame or not to shame because I just want to play the fucking song. But topic number three, I want to actually, where is it? Topic number three, we go back to the, we're we're staying with the NFL, but we're staying with some on the, off the court stuff. And I had to write it down because sometimes I'm a prisoner of the moment and, and if I just started speaking from the heart, I'd be all bumbled like I am right now. So, to shame or not to shame, and topic three, let's just run it because I want to hit a song. And here we go. Shame. 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 All right, so Rob, let's um actually that's a good idea. Let's start. Let's start sixty seconds, and then we and then we just roll into we'll, we'll roll it into the topic. Mm-hmm. So topic three: end to shame or not to shame, Rob. Brian Flores is suing three NFL teams with what is supposed to be a class action lawsuit. All right, and the three accusations. Um, well, let's I guess let's start with what what the lawsuits are. Right, one's against the Broncos. Right, mm-hmm. one's against. Uh, the Miami Dolphins and one is against the Giants. Right. Now, yeah, this is such a weird topic to start. I mean, I could just, walk through them all, honestly. Go ahead. Like, for me, I, 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 I'm the only one that I'm really. Just to, just brief uh, brief the audience on what the law uh, on what each each allegation on each suit so, was, and then and then I'll give you a sixty seconds. So the Giants' uh, lawsuit was that they they. Uh, they hired someone before they the hired interview. Someone before they were going to even interview Flores, um, and the only reason that they that he knew that was because he got a, Brian Flores got a text message from Bill Belichick uh, congratulating him on the job that he hadn't interviewed with yet. Because he texted the wrong Brian. Because he texted the wrong Brian, who he had worked with both of them before. Right, and that was Brian. Who's and the other Brian? Right. Okay. Brian Brian Flores. So that's the Giants' situation with the with the. Um, we'll go with the Let's do one. the Broncos. With the Broncos, it was that he was saying that the, the interview was a sham interview and that uh, they weren't taking him seriously or taking the interview seriously. And it seemed as though they were uh, they had just come home from a, like a all nighter and that they really weren't ready and or in the appearance of being ready for right. that type of a meeting. Um, so that he was thinking that they were not really serious and they already had somebody in their mind. So they're just doing 
interviews uh, to appease the Rooney rule as opposed to, to take serious uh, job considerations for people. Um, the last and largest of the lawsuits was about the Miami Dolphins in that there were multiple parts that they had paid him for tanking, 100 k per game. Um, or offered him, right. Offered him uh, money that he did not take. Because it look, didn't look like it finishing the way he did. <laughs> Started mm-hmm. one and seven, and then. But again, I mean, and I thought about that. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that later. But. Um, but so now that we got now that we you laid you set the table for everybody. The yeah, floor I mean, is yours. More to, to who Miami, do you? But... The question is, who do you believe? And you can go one at a time. Actually, let's do one at a time. Do the first one, Giants. Who do you believe? Do you believe Flores or do you believe the New York Giants? Yeah, I mean, I believe. Honestly, I believe both parties. I think that um, Flores did get treated a certain way. I mean, it's very obvious through the text messages. I don't even know how Bill Belichick could know that without it being reported to the league or reported to other players or other coaches that this man's going to be the head coach. So it doesn't make sense that somebody outside the organization knows more than somebody who's interviewing for the job about their own job. That is very disturbing. Just, just disturbing. That's some good old boy honestly. shit right there, boy. Um, but is that malpractice? Um, I, I just don't think there's enough proof there to, to, to put it in Flores' favor because mm-hmm. um, it could have been anything. It could have been, uh, you know, Bill Belichick not knowing anything and thinking he heard, some, heard something and just said thank you. You know, it could be all – I know, trust me. I'm with you that it's effed up, but – can I believe that that is happening? It's not just a benefit of the doubt over, you know, over what we say it is. I, I just can't believe that. So I, I'm not going that I disbelieve Brian Flores. It's just to what extent or what level that, that, right. that involvement. Oh, what was he really asking? You right. know, so I, again. <laughs> Shit, I forgot the horn. <laughs> So I, I wouldn't put it 100% in, yeah. in, in that Brian Flores is right and he should be mm-hmm. suing them, but I definitely believe that there this should lead to uh, serious investigation, not only of the Giants, but right. of all teams for the Rooney Rule. I believe that's what it was done for as opposed to mm-hmm. Flores trying to make three separate class action lawsuits to sue the Giants. 100%. You know I mean? Well, all right, my turn. 60 seconds, look. I have a friend of mine that asked me what I interview for a job that I already knew someone else had the job. And I would tell them absolutely yes, because interviewing for jobs is not about, um, I mean, unless you're just like this alpha that that's so good at everything, people are just going to say yes to you all the time. Interviewing for a job is about relationships. Interviewing for, jo- interviewing for a job is about um, showing people what's your reputation and who you are, right? I've interviewed for plenty of jobs that I didn't get that a year later they're calling me because they the, I ended up getting the job anyway. So sometimes it's the Rooney rule is there to make an impre- to get a black to get a black person in a room because before um because people saying the the Rooney rule is failing. I, I mean it is failing but it's not failing in a sense that before you the black our brother couldn't even get an interview, couldn't even get in the room. So it's one of those things where Brian Flores probably felt awkward because he felt like he was interviewing for a job that he already that someone already had. But at the same time, he has to know your reputation starts the day you become you become a coach to become when you become a mid-tier, all the way to, to the moment you become a head coach. So I don't think there was anything sneaky or egregious. Even if the Giants did pick out a guy and, and it was a courtesy interview, there's nothing wrong with a courtesy interview, and he shouldn't take that personally. 
you know. Bill Belichick, I'm just going to say in the nature and how that text was sent, he knew damn well. He got hired. He just and he so just who, fucked up and texted the wrong Brian. But and then who and then who knew that before he did? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if this is New England coach, who no offense, but we beat them four or five years ago. Like they don't want to be talking to us. No. Like uh, yeah, of course we don't hold grudges. But why does the New England head coach know who we are having as our head coach? Right. They and look, the, the Giants have not had a black. Have they ever had a black OCDC or head coach? Yeah, we had a DC. Uh, Patrick Gia Graham. Perrine? Who was that? Graham last uh, season was our. Oh, Graham. Yeah, cool. Patrick Graham. We haven't had a, a black quarterbacks. Our first black quarterback was Geno Smith. How's that for a fact? So, um, second question. Broncos interview said they were an hour late. So it said they looked like they were a little bit under the weather. I'm going to go first on this one. Do I believe um, Flores or do I believe them? So let me go first. Um, I believe Flores. No one, they're denying that they weren't an hour late, but if you've ever been in an interview where you had to wait for someone, the first thing you're looking at is your phone. And you, maybe you're texting, maybe you're doing whatever, but the whole time you're like, all right, I'm here 15 minutes, let me just keep going. And then a half hour in, all, now you're sitting like this, you know? And you're like, maybe I should just play some solitaire before I get fucking mad at people. So if someone comes in an hour late, and I'm assuming he's right on that part. But if someone comes in an hour late, you already um, lose some form of objectivity of their state of mind when they come in. So if someone comes in and they look like they're tired and they're fucking smiling at each other, telling jokes, coming in like it's one, like it's okay to be late. But two, it looks like they're not taking this fucking interview seriously. I believe him for the tardiness. I don't fully believe him that they came in there inebriated from the night before. I think there's a John Elway has a close relationship with his friends where where um they maybe they did have dinner, maybe they did have wine, you know, but but I mean Flores made it look like they had they had that shit for breakfast, <laughs> you know? And well, maybe they did. Flores yours. Let's do it. Let me say this and again, I don't uh, I don't think there's enough there to to put um to 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 call guilt on what he's accusing to uh, those owners or, or, or partners that were there. But I know for a fact, if I'm going to accuse somebody of something, I'm either going to be dead on or it's going to be egregious. Like, I don't think he's going to come out and put a class action yeah, lawsuit that, right? on the Broncos, lose all his job opportunities because he wanted to get back at them for being an hour late on the interview. So again, I don't think there's enough stuff substance there to call guilt on the Denver Broncos but let's look at the train of thought um a week after this happened the Broncos go up for sale oh my gosh that's a huge indicator um maybe they were partying maybe they really didn't give a crap uh maybe they already knew they were going to sell and they said you know what the f with this we still got to hold the interview but as long as we're there it doesn't really matter and what coach has ever filed a class action lawsuit because they didn't show up to the interview right? It's the first. So, again, I do believe Brian Flores. I don't think it's enough to be damning, but I do believe that what happened happened. And that makes what's happening in Miami even worse. Yeah, there's just so much smoke, dude. There's so much. Because, and that's that's where, go well, that's the third one. And this is the worst. And then it's not, I think this is this. Hold on, I'm doing and, 60 seconds again. For sure, for sure. Um, Sorry to interrupt, but I want to, I want us to say. Sorry, you want to finish Hugh, with the Denver? The Hugh Jackson in, yeah. in, in Cleveland Browns. I think that that's a big deal, too. Yep. Because I think that they purposefully tanked to get a Baker Mayfield. 
and they told him we're gonna ha- make you stay on because we want you to work with Robert Griffin. You need we need a quarterback. You're a quarterback coach. It didn't work out for three years because you didn't you didn't get anybody in free agency. You didn't do anything to improve your team, and you tanked to get the best quarterback available. Which and that year, if you remember, everybody was not like nobody was going for Baker Mayfield. Right. Everybody was going like Baker might be the fifth quarterback taken. Yeah, that was a gangster move that they picked him first. They tanked and took him, and not only they had a first and a fourth round first. I mean, a first and a a first overall and a fourth overall first round pick. Wow, they they were stacked. They had cold feet then. I mean, they were they picked someone first that said that if they waited fifth, they could have traded up. Fuck, dude. I do know that season before Hugh Jackson was 0 16, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean. They didn't just tank. <laughs> but, but, but again, like, okay, what if he's, you know, 4-12? and 12? Like, do you really think the GMs and the president are really backing him there? But, again, we'll go to the, the Miami Miami Dolphins and and, uh, and Flores. Because I'm, I'm definitely going to give you a whole other minute for them. Okay, okay. All right. So well, got, yeah, you want to do that? I'm gonna um, let me go first on this for sure because that, what you said was a lot to unpack, and but at the same time, a perfect segue to um to to the third allegation. All right, third allegation, dude. If any of that is true, if any of that is true, and I strongly believe it is true, because if someone's gonna make up a story. He has to have a vivid imagination to come up with the what on this, the how much, and the when. So if if Flores is making this up, it is with meticulous detail. And as smart as I think Flores is, I don't give him that much credit. And I don't give him that much credit to be deceptive because he has a pattern of being straight up and not deceptive. Mm. So I got 25 seconds left to say the most important thing I'm going to say in this one minute. It's fucking illegal. You're telling someone lose to lose games that people in Vegas are betting on. They're betting on numbers. And if an owner's telling people, I got this guy losing, you might not want to pick my team for this night and that night, he's going to lose his team. And he also belongs in jail. So cl- class, lawsuits are about money. All right, on lawsuits, and my, and my heart of hearts, I'd like to believe lawsuits are about affecting the way people do business. But in order for those lawsuits to have legs, there has to be damages, and of course, damages involve money. So I don't disagree lawsuits are still about money, but this man's authentically trying to affect the way people do their business. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, Stephen Ross. Uh, I mean, let's just think of Miami Dolphins. They haven't, been, they haven't been a legitimate team. I mean, they had Jason Taylor. They had Jason Taylor for years. And they had not been a legitimate team since, like, the 80s, the perfect team in the Don oh, Shula. AFC 80s. Championship game in 93. That was the last time they were in the AFC Championship game. Super Bowl is out of the question. That was Marino. And, and so when you talk about franchises that haven't done it, you know, we, we joke about the Cowboys, but at least they've had a couple, like, good seasons. They got some good players on there. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins have been some, like probably one of the worst franchises in all of American sports. I mean, if not only the fact that they're in Miami, which is a huge hub, but they just are bad. they just bad every year, and they made another bad draft. I mean, I really don't. I think Tua's nice, but he ain't it. 
You know, I like Jaylen Flores didn't want him either. I ju- I like Jalen Phillips. I like Christian Wilkins, but they ain't it. No. You know, like they every single dude on that team can go to yeah. get some real talent because at the end of the day, unless you got a Joe Burrow or unless you got a uh, was it J- Josh Jacobs? Unless you got uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean that you don't have an offense. You know you can stack up the line, which they have an okay line. But again, like, and this is what Flores, who is a fantastic coach, if Flores had a record like Hugh Jackson, and this is actually the issue, which is what's going on. Say, um, if Brian say Flores it. had the record that Hugh Jackson was, everybody would say, "Up, oh, well, he just can't coach." Hugh Jackson, we don't know if he can't coach or not because I honestly believe they tanked for three years. Honestly, I don't think a team is that bad for three years. If you have your organization, you have your GM, your owner, everybody from top to bottom focusing on winning, no way you get lower than four wins, five wins a season. I'm sorry. Like, that's giving up. And I I look at the players. Everybody does. We look at the players, the coach first, because that's what we see on TV. If you can see them giving up on plays, okay, it's the coach, right? If the players are giving up, all right, maybe it's just that one player. If it's the team that's giving up, uh, if it's the coach that doesn't like that, that that's on the sideline, like what am I supposed to do? You know, you'll you'll hear about it in press conferences. You can you can literally look that stuff up, how people are reacting, what's going on, and see if it's genuine or not, or if they're befuddled. You know, maybe Fred Kitchens, a coach like that, first time head coach, doesn't know exactly what to do. He'll be befuddled, not know what's going on. Maybe it's the coach. But very, 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 very rarely does a team go 0 16. Let's say even Indianapolis Colts, you know, they had Curtis Painter as their quarterback. You can't even say that you were trying. <laughs> you can't even say you were trying. Sorry, no. Curtis Painter. But Orlovsky. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Come on now. Like, yeah. so. It comes to a certain point where if Brian Flores, because, again, with the roster he had, he went 0-8, and then he won 8, or he went 0-7 or 1-7, and then he went nine straight wins in a row and got fired. Yeah. That's where it's like, wait. And that's what, what comes into he, play. You do pe- you do whatever someone asks you to, and then, and then they're like, you know you got to get fired. Fire, fire me at 1-7. Right, yeah. because that's that's understood. It's deserved. I lost control of my team, and but and yeah, and let get, the in, and let the interim exactly. fall on that sword. And exactly. Then find different people. To, 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 but if I come back with nine straight wins, that means whatever you want to say, we're probably one of the best teams in the league right now. I don't care who you are. But if we win the last nine games, those last nine games, if we put somebody else tougher in front of us, guess what? We're gonna be in a fight. No other coach in the league could have could have finished the way they did. I mean, no other coach in the league did. That's no. the point. Yes. You know? And yeah, we don't even have to talk about could. Yes. <laughs> it's the fact that he did it. And that's right. the first time in NFL history. Yeah. And then he gets fired that same season. Um, and what now we're hearing about, he tried to do as much as he could to get rid of Tua. What's more important? A quarterback that's done nothing, right? And only been hurt and couldn't even beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. The only reason he's starting this year is because there's nobody behind him to push him. Wasn't that a bizarre switch? Because they were doing well. Remember, remember, we talked about it on this mm-hmm. very show. Mm-hmm. He was, they were like five and three, and mm-hmm. they won three in a row, and then all of a sudden, boom, sub substitute, sub one. Yep, and they were kind of mixing them in and It left out, me scratching my head, dude. Ryan got hurt, and then Tua couldn't. Ryan didn't get the, hurt. He just got benched. I was pretty sure he got hurt in, the, in that one period. 
Well, one period he did, but he got benched when they were winning, and and it left. Every, it was yeah. like yeah, the game signing with G Unit had yeah. had people like, huh? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But yeah, that's why it, it's it, when you when you when you, yeah, it's hard to you know put Hugh Jackson in the same crowd as um, no. Brian Flores because of the records. But again, if those franchises would back those coaches, and I mean, this doesn't has nothing to do with black or white. No, if a franchise puts their name into a coach, they shouldn't abandon that coach and that team because they don't believe what's going on. It's fix it after the season. Yeah. But it's your fault. And again, this is why there's not any accountability on GMs because all they have to look up to is their owners who, what? All you have to do is talk a certain way and figure a certain type of a situation to make them understand it's not their fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the players who aren't playing. I made this guy so he could do this. But you got him into a shitty system. Like, it doesn't matter about the players. So there's a lot to unpack here. But the Rooney rule is just the start. Yeah. The Rooney rule is just the beginning. Because we can talk about how many Think about people, all these great coaches. And, and it even comes down to this. How many ex-players are coaches now? Not very many, but how many of those players, ex-players, are of a certain ethnicity and nationality? And how many, like percentage-wise, how many non-black people play in football? A small percentage. Very right? small. Well, very small percentage. The people who identify with being black is 72. People okay. of color is like 77. That's a huge, okay. huge number. So three-fourths. Right. But yet we got uh, Mike Vrabel, who's a great coach. I really like him. Yeah. He's a former player. Uh, we have, what do we got there? I mean, we could just go down well, the list all of, of them. former we'll, players. No, but I'm trying to think there's only, the right, I mean, last season there was only oh, one black coach. So, And what's the other name of the dude who was doing uh, the Lions? Who was the Lions head coach? Matt Patricia. Yeah. You know, again, another former player. But it was, yeah, I'm glad is, he was gone. But again, another former player who, what reason could he have for coaching? You know, other than he's got all this experience in playing that he could give onto the court, uh, give Belichick, onto the field, yeah. or give to the people. Yeah, Bill Belichick, sure, but still, the reason why he's at the, in that position is because he played for Bill Belichick, not because that's he what I'm saying. But that's what I meant. He because you know, he like because he, he coached come up yeah. co coaching for him. Yeah. He came Vrabel up did. playing, and Vrabel did too, and, right? And yeah. Yes, Vrabel did too, but also he didn't like go through the coaching tree of of uh what's his name uh, of bill Par belichick Pars, yeah you know he went through he went he went through the playing tree. the playing tree yeah and then that leads to but it's like okay so how can that not translate for other positions is it only offensive linemen and that's or is where it only uh, uh certain linebackers that but, can translate to the but to rob the can you appreciate why why that's there's ridiculous. something uh, suspicious here of course there there are look there are people who only coached high school <laughs> <laughs> who are getting these positions? The the guy from the Arizona Cardinals was his last season in, in college was six. I think it was six and ten or something Cliff like Kingsbury. that. Kingsbury was like six. He had a losing right. college record, and and I'm thinking I'm like so right now we have one black coach. Well, Lovey Smith got the job at Houston, but but we have we had one black coach, and in order for that one black coach to keep his job, he, his worst season. <laughs> His worst season was eight and eight. Mike Tomlin, who, by the way, is the example of the Rooney Rule as opposed to the exception, right? Uh, um, I think that's Pitts, a Pittsburgh, but... Pittsburgh only had, uh, I think, 
four coaches since the Super Bowl era. No, three. Cower, uh, Noel, and him. So they like they don't like revolving door coaches. And when Tomlin came in and they and he says we're gonna run the ball and play defense, they were like, Amen. And his worst season, eight and eight, was without Ben Roethlisberger, without Antonio Brown, always some drama, and without Le'Veon Bell, which would have given any season a four and twelve record. Not this guy. And and it's sad that, like Chris Rock said about baseball, he said baseball's evolved because black players were allowed to suck. <laughs> and well, let me say this. and when coaches are allowed to suck, more black coaches are allowed to suck because no one uses Hugh Jackson because we all knew what was happening there. That that was just a tanking. Mm-hmm. We've seen him coach the Raiders. We've seen the guy know how to win games. So um, we knew there was something else. There was something else there. Let um, me say this though: Pittsburgh again is the pinnacle of an organization backing their players and their coaches. What happened when Le'Veon Bell went down? Did they stay quiet in free agency? No. They got him the players that he needed. What happens when they lost a linebacker three, Did they? four, five years in a row? Did they? They Absolutely. got Najee Harris? Oh, no, no, no. The players that they needed doesn't mean they need another running back. Okay. Got they it. got a linebacker year after year. A game-changing linebacker who we thought their Defensive career was MVP? over. Yeah, sure. He won MVP. Well, I'm not even saying this year. Okay. I'm saying for the last years yeah when they had something go down they didn't give up on the season and say hey we're gonna tank hey we're gonna find a way to exasperate our situation great program we're going to plug the leak we're not gonna have a losing because guess what it matters in our city if we lose it matters if we don't protect home field because people come here and they want to do that instead of a cheap ass old owner like steven ross (laughs) who has no i can't fathom what a full stadium looks like because he doesn't put a good product on the field every year and then whines and cries about oh my my draft picks aren't right my coaches weren't this my gms weren't that he's the problem jerry jones is the problem you re- i mean we joke too much about this but jerry jones is the problem with the dallas cowboys it has nothing to do with the amazing things that he gives and he keeps giving money to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It's about him. He's the Hold problem. up, Rob McLean. We, as, as correct as you are about Jerry Jones, we ain't letting Ross off the hook by, by adding Jones into this oh, conversation. No, 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 no. I, and I want to finish by this, and I'm, I'll, leave you, I'll leave you the mic drop at the end because you, what you, everything you said was valid, but no fucking way are we let, am, I let, am, am I letting that guy off the hook. If what he said was true if any of that is true that this man offered a hundred thousand dollars for every game his coach lost he gotta go oh yeah and he should also be in jail i will say to the camera it's fucking illegal hey i can't disagree with that because i honestly had not thought about that side of it but especially now that But especially now that it's legal to gamble, it's illegal to hedge gambling. (laughs) You can't inside trade. You can't say one thing and then have your buddies get it on the other side. I'm not even saying that that was a thing. I think he should be in jail and it should be illegal because he created the opportunity for that. Yes. Oh, amen. Amen and amen. So, cool, man. <laughs> this is what it is. Man, we we keep going all day ad nauseum on that would. boy, but let's move on to something else. We're including the... Ooh, do you hear that? That's what happens when you edit your when you tech your own show, people. Mm-hmm. 
But since you know what's coming, <laughs> and Rob's it, I'm going to take the headset off of this because I got to be extra loud. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Quick Question. Big up, Bernard Norman, big up, Under My Next for that sweet tune for our quick question. So I got to set my music. So Rob, quick question is pretty much going to be UFC dominated. So let's go through the line. Quick question, who who wins? Let's just do top three. Who wins? But Nah, let's go through some of these. Who wins between Andre Arlovsky and Jared Vendera? Uh, sorry, Vendera. I'm going to go with Arlovsky, man. Bring him back. Bring him back from the dead. Yeah. I like Arlovsky. I think he'll, he'll he'll press against the cage and he'll he'll stick and move and stick his head, bite his mouthpiece and and keep the distance close. So that's the preliminary card main event. Ro- Roxanne Martifari is retiring after this match. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. He's going to fight Casey O'Neill. And Casey O'Neill, don't let that girl's win-loss record fool you, man. Um, I think this also goes decision. And I think a lot of fans are probably not going to like it. I think Matafari is going to get pushed down a knockdown and try to jiu-jitsu, and there's going to be some staring contest, the the person who's standing above her. And and that might be some booze, but I'm hoping that's not how it ends because we know Matafari, when she, you know, sometimes she just abandons the plan she, she, and she might say about, about, bites her mouthpiece. But I go Matafari on this. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think Matafari as well. Yep. All right, so let's go. Um, the pay per view card. Bobby Green. I think I think Bobby Green is winner winner of four straight. And wow, Nazareth, come on! <laughs> I didn't see. How did I not see that? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I like Bobby Green. He looked real, yeah, real clean last yes. fight. So I'm gonna have to go with Bobby Green, though. I just, this, you couldn't pick a worse matchup for Bobby Green for a guy who likes to fight with his hands down and slip because Nazareth's the kind of guy that makes you pay for because the last time Bobby Green did that to someone that could slip, mm. um, Dustin Poirier, who won by knockout. But yeah, um, but different different levels. I'm going to go Nazareth. I don't get, yeah, nah, I, and I hate to go Bobby against Bobby Green because I just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, and I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Benson, wait. Let's go Kyler Phillips against Marcelo Rojo. I've never seen um, Kyler Phillips fight before. Um, I have a very small sample size of him, just highlights. So I'm going to go with the devil I know. And I shouldn't even pick on that because I haven't seen both fighters. But since I have to, and I I apologize, because I I had to study all of these players, people. So, But I'm going to go Rojo because he's the guy that I've seen. Kyler Phillips is uh, um, Sean O'Malley's training partner. Yep, and that's what uh, the last guy he fought, uh, Fernando O'Malley fought, was like. Oh, I fought Paivu. Paivu, he like fought Kyler Kyler Phillips, and they had a good fight. Yep. But uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, the better Sean Sean O'Malley gets, I think this kid's gonna rise up with him too. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Kyler Phillips here. I I, I still don't. He doesn't have any of the 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 X factor abilities that that Sean O'Malley has, but. He's a good, clean fighter, and I think he's going to keep rising each fight. So I like I like him. Cool, man. All right, let's get to the triple main event or close to the double main event. We got Jared Cannonier, always down always down the throw. <laughs> a very complete fighter facing mm-hmm. Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson, I think, won four in a row. Derek Brunson wants to get back in the title picture and somehow, somehow some way, maybe fight Israel Adesanya again. Um, I think he's longer, and I think he's a smarter fighter. 
fighter. You don't see him rushing in and getting clipped like he did uh, against against uh, uh, the main eventers, right? Well, particularly the main eventers who finished him, right? Right. Um, and though Cannoneer is more complete than Brunson, is I got to go Derek on this. Yeah, I'm on Brunson on this one. I think he's the more complete fighter. If they're both complete fighters, I think he's more complete. Uh, he can take people down. He can fight on his feet. You know, I, I, and he's done a fantastic job of keeping his own range. I think that's a lot of fighters. They all try to keep range, but they don't stay within their own range. And they don't know how to use it either, right? Yeah. No, they don't know how to go back and forth and slip out and go side to side. So I really like what Derek Brunson's been training, and I, I think that he's going to win this fight, honestly. Uh, it's going to be a tough fight because he's not going to be able to Jared. So who do you got? Dude. Uh, you got Brunson? Brunson? Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, double main event, Taya Tuivasa versus Derek the Black Beast. Lewis, you're um, first. Yeah, tough one. I mean, uh, my issue with Derek Lewis is that he does not evolve. You know, he's the same fighter, and all these fighters are just changing around him. So Tuivasa, he's not, he takes time because he's not as big as some of these guys, um, like length-wise or, or height-wise. He, you know, he, he, he's got to take a hit or two or he's got to get inside somehow with some sort of combination. But once he's in there and he hits you and he tags you, it hurts. You know, he's he going to finish you. He can he can really let off. So I'm going to have to go with uh, Tui Vasa on here just because Derek Lewis gives people too many opportunities to hit him. You know, um, although he's trying to be a counterpuncher, there's no offensive uh, ideal at all. It's just... I'm going to get closer, I'm going to suck up these punches, and I'm going to try to counter at the right time. And no offense, that has that's how every great fighter has always lost. Being too confident in one ability and then losing their competency in other areas because they're so confident in one. I agree. Um, and that's just where well, I think Derek Lewis is at. And, and Tuivasa, uh, Tuivasa could totally lose. He could get clipped once and it could be it's over heavyweight. fast. It's heavyweight, yeah. Scott. But, I mean, even Daukus, you know, uh, he, he was a better physical matchup because he was a little bit bigger. Right. He wanted to take people down. You know, there's a different uh, – That's who Derek Lewis beat last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who he folded last time. Yeah, he um, starched. Yeah. But, you know, Tuivasa, one, he wants to get into a brawl. He's not going to try to take people down. And then two, you know, he's got hands. He's yeah. just got to get that range. And, uh, you know, Derek, he's not going to fire at the first one. So he's going to let him creep into that range. And, hey, it might be a firefight, but most people don't want to get in that range with, with Derek Lewis, and that's their problem is they, they mm -hmm. keep trying to play in that outside range. And then once they get into a striking range, Derek clips you once, and it's freaking everything's off. So Well, here's what I like about this fight. I like it, but the thing I like about this fight is neither fighter have any excuses. Derek Lewis had a bad back for a long time, but he negated that by dropping some of the weight. Took a lot of pressure off of his back, and and if this is the slim version of him, which still looks pretty big, he's moving a lot. He's he's moving out there a lot better, mm. um, and we and we did notice that because he's a one dimensional fighter, right? He's a one dimensional fighter who's moving better, who's doing that one dimension better. Mm. Um, both fighters are. Now I'm not saying both fighters are one dimensional, but they're they both they both fall in love with that one dimension. So expect to see a slugfest. Uh, I expect this not to get past the first round. I think both fighters will be disappointed if it got past the first round. And and with that being said, Tua, 
Um, he's a brawler and he will bite his mouthpiece, but his sh- I think his shoot to kill right now is a little bit better than his. Like mm. where he's hitting and, and what part you know, what part of the chin he's hitting right now um, is Derek. He has the same same power as Derek Lewis, and we're gonna see a shoey again. I gotta I gotta go I gotta go two of us on this. That was funny. Yeah. Also, the the thing I don't like about it is it's in Houston, and Derek Lewis the last time he fought in Houston did not like it. He just mm. didn't like the pressure. You know, fans asking him for tickets, just being too close to home, too many distractions. He he really likes being on the road for some of these big fights. Uh, last fight, Israel Adesanya defending the title against Rob Whitaker. I'm going to go first on this one. Rob Whitaker, I mean, right now, it's, it's very, pretty much like 170. You got one and you got one A here. Remember Kobe Covington? Remember Kamaru Usman? Remember, remember, except this is the Aussie and the, the, and the New Zealand guy or Nigerian guy. Rob Whitaker made a lot of mistakes. And the question is, how many of those, those mistakes do you think he learned from? I think he learned from a lot of the, the uh, of his mistakes. But learning from your mistakes doesn't automatically mean you're going to win because you still have to be able to do certain things that not only combat, combat your mistakes, but also that give you attributes to win that match. And I, do, I did not see that uh, the last four fights from Robert Whitaker going into that. So unless he has some big secret, um, I can't pick him to beat Israel Adesanya and Sagat Israel. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, I think the difference in this fight is that Israel has lost um, and has shown that he is capable of uh, that. There's a there's a there's a there's a process to right. beating him, and I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Derek Brunson when they fight. Because I do yep. believe Israel will Israel will win this fight. I do believe that people are going to see that Israel. Of course, it was against Jan, but if you're going to beat him, you're not going to beat him face to face you're going to beat him trying to level change and trying to get him on his back to where you can get a couple rounds off him mm-hmm. um you're not going to beat him five rounds trying to strike against him it's just uh at the level at middleweight it's just he's too lanky too strong ish to where he won't get taken down as much rob whitaker mm-hmm. needs to be the fighter that he should be which is a level change fighter that comes with over the top rights and lefts there it is and Take down, man. It's, I think this is why I like Derek Brunson, especially against Jerry Karnier, so much. is because he stuck to his game plan and he executed his game plan. Yep. And it might not be the exact way that you tried to execute it, but you executed and, it. But he, and he realizes it. You know, he's, he looks at some of these fights and been like, wow, I did it this way. I did what my coach has said. And it was easy. (laughs) Hey, uh, so we're done with the UFC, but I want to give a big shout out to Israel. In fact, I'll do that for before we go. Israel Adesanya is very outspoken about um, the UFC getting behind him and promoting him. And he's like, there's some things in the introductory thing, like the commercials and the advertisement for that, that he said, I could have done a better job on my phone. He says, next time you, he says, next time you do it, just give, I'll I'll do something on my phone and I'll do it for you guys, which really made Dana light a fire under under the ass of everybody that's like oh this is a good match oh Connor Connor oh this match is okay you should see this oh Connor Connor so he really with that, that guy's personality he's, he's he's like a black Connor except more respectful because he doesn't diss people personally it's, he's True. he only diss people with MMA um, which is why I will always be a bigger fan of his him than, than Connor period respect Connor for what he's his rising tide lifts all the ships right but but big shout out to Israel because on a professional note. He made them be professional. He, and he got a new contract that made his coaches cry. He says, I won't give you the number, but my, my, all of my coaches were crying. 
And that's like that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? That oh, yeah. we fucking made it cry. Oh, yeah. Also, on a personal note, because I'm a big Joe Rogan supporter, it was really good to see him in the press conference go hard in the paint and say, F those people. You be real. You do you. We all know what's going on. We all know what's happening. And he basically spoke for like a, a, a 11 million viewers. They, we, like, you, you don't think we see what's going on. Last month, medical information. This month, the N-word. Next month, I tell everybody, stay, stay tuned for transphobia because that's coming next month. And then the three months after that, Alex Jones, because you can go three months and talk about Alex Jones. So I'm giving away my bias a little bit on that, but I wanted to, to shout him out because as a fighter, you want to keep all your fans, right? You don't want fans to be like, oh, oh I lost all respect for him because of this, this thing with Joe. Mm-hmm. Jordan kept his fans because he said Republicans wear sneakers too. <laughs> okay. So it takes a big deal for someone to be outspoken like that. Rob. That's uh, a, a before we go. What do you got? You got a shout or something you want to say about this no, weekend? Or Stay happy. Stay healthy. Yo. Yes. Ah, he said it. <laughs> Rob said stay happy. Stay healthy. That's my dude. Rob, thank you so much for that. So for everybody at home, I want you to take this man's words of wisdom. Take this, take him with you this weekend. Take him with you this Saturday night. Take him with you Super Bowl Sunday. Take him with you Monday morning, which we will not be here. I, I will be going to Mammoth. Rob's going to be training. So this is a very special edition for this weekend and next week. Um, so for Rob, keep it McLean McLean. I'm Jason DeBiss. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. Dude, we love you to death, people. We admire you and we respect you and we thank you so much for supporting the show in mass this is this is insane so till next time a couple of weeks from now mad love we're out come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports angel you're gonna love what you hear